Hello and welcome to the UCL News Podcast, a weekly assortment of news and views from around UCL and beyond. This week, we're looking at how the declining rate of heart attacks over the past 20 years is in danger of being reversed by a rise in obesity and a new social enterprise to build heritage skills in developing countries. We're also going to be chatting to three participants of the online outreach event, I'm a Scientist, Get Me Out of Here. More explanation of that later. If you've got any questions or suggestions for the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us on mynews at ucl.ac.uk. Welcome back to the UCL News Podcast. I'm here with three participants of the I'm a Scientist, Get Me Out of Here online outreach project. Um, why don't you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Hi, my name's Sam Tazziman and uh, I'm a member of UCL Complex. Hello, I'm Simon Bennett and I'm doing a PhD in U- at UCL Neuroscience. Uh, my name is Kimberly Bryant and I work at the MRC Laboratory for Molecular Cell Biology. So, um, for people who may not know, could you um, explain what I'm a Scientist Get Me Out of Here is all about? Uh, well, I think it's a, a project to help school kids uh, try and interact more with scientists so they can get a better idea of what science is like, uh, whether, the, whether it's something for them or not. And it's also something for the scientists to help explain their research more, maybe discover more of a passion about why they got into research. I think when I was uh, younger, I didn't have much kind of support and it was nice to kind of inspire younger, like the next generation of scientists because uh, you have this whole kind of geeky stereotype and I want to get behind that and show that science is fun as well as being quite cool. Okay, and Sam, can you kind of give an outline of, you know, the practicalities of what actually happens when you're participating? Yeah, so there are two key components to it. There's uh, questions which we get emailed um, mm-hmm. effectively, um, so the school kids can email us whatever you know question they're interested in, presumably in conjunction with the teachers to to wean out the more uh, less appropriate questions right uh, so we answer those and then the other the other component is uh, web chat which is like a live chat like on um, a messenger or something and so they you know they have a whole classroom there all asking us questions at once and I'm expecting it to be pretty quick fire and hectic right so you're not actually in a jungle with ant and deck no, that's not how it works no, no. unfortunately not no. oh well um so um how did you how did you hear about it you know what made you want to get involved Uh, I I I think I found it um, just through a popular search engine uh, and I just thought it looked interesting, thought it'd be a good project to be part of and I've always been quite interested in communicating science and teaching and stuff like that. And how about you Sam? I I found out about it through uh, people I know who do, I've been doing other outreach events and I found Mm. out about it through that and it seemed like it'd be something interesting and different, you know, it's usually, it's quite good as a scientist to try and do different things sometimes time just to get you out of the everyday. So uh, I got home um, and after I realised setting up my profile, um, my fiancé actually hadn't got a place and he got a phone call saying did he want to be in the energy generation zone. Um, he works on the heart so he had to justify how the heart actually was something to do with generating energy and after we were really excited our other housemate came in and he said he was doing it as well and we had no idea he was involved. So it's <laughs> great. Have you got any worries or particular, you know, freak questions that you've either experienced in the past or you've heard that other people have come across? Um, well, I, my research is on sexual selection uh, and evolutionary biology. Um, so, and I've done talks to school groups in the past before, and obviously if you're talking about what animals find sexy, it's a rich theme of possible questions you can get off the kids. 
Um, and I was asked once, having just explained why it is that peahens find peacocks with big tails attractive, uh, after asking, you know, running through all the scientific theory on that, I was asked by one youth, is that why men like women with big breasts, though? To which I had to kind of... What did you uh, say? Well, I had to sort of prevaricate and say, well, in actual fact, if you look around different cultures across the world, there's a variety of things that the fact considers to be attractive in the female form, and so... Nicely handled. Yeah. Mm. Which is true as well. So. True. I hear on the grapevine that the um, winning prize is £500 to spend in a project of your choice that furthers science communication. Um, and obviously we want a UCL person to win, goes without saying, um, but have you had any ideas about what you might spend the money on if you win? Well, uh, what happens is uh, we're, we're both in uh, different zones actually as it happens, but there are various different you know, uh, zones which combine, I'm in evolution for example, so it's me and four other scientists in evolution and the kids mm -hmm. will vote uh, the for scientists the off one, yeah, one after one, yeah, but yeah, kind of for the fittest, possibly in an evolutionary sense. Mm. Um, yeah, so they vote them off one by one, and the last one left is one that wins the £500 for, uh, to, to spread the news about science. Okay. Yeah, so I'm in the brain zone myself, and we get um, yeah, voted whether we give the best answers and stuff, and the only thing I could really think of at the moment was uh, buy, either buying lab equipment for schools, because doing the practical side of science is very important for getting people into it and stuff like that, or... Sure. Uh, some quite complicated models of brains get made so they can take all apart and look at the different areas and I thought mm. that might be quite good because they're quite expensive and not many schools That would be nice. Them. Probably a bit nicer than buying knives to cut up frogs and stuff. Well, yeah. yeah. So I've been giving it a long hard think and I really would like to organise a kind of science festival day here at UCL so kind of schools could come from around London and maybe a bit further afield and there can be a kind of a showcase of all the different things we do here at UCL and showing the kids just how great science is, not just for kind of the experiments, but also for society. Um, any final thoughts, any any fears or anything you want to say about it that I haven't covered? Um, I, I'm just hoping it's going to be very interesting while I'm doing it and I would suggest that lots of other people get involved. Yeah, I think it should be great, really looking forward to it. Hi, my name is Dominica D'Arcangelo and I'm a co-director, one of three, of a new organisation called Heritage Without Borders. It's a social enterprise and it's one of a kind and what we do is match museum and conservation professionals with people in developing countries who need help conserving and interpreting their heritage. Okay, so can you give an example of what kind of project that you're, you're working on or you will be working on? Well, this year in September we have two projects one of them will be in the ancient city of Merv in Turkmenistan and the other project will be in Sarajevo at the National Museum there um, they're both very different projects one of them will be a one-week conservation training school where we'll have attendees from all across the Balkans who will come to this museum and learn about right. remedial and preventive conservation in Turkmenistan it'll be slightly different it'll be working on site in the field and we again will have people on site learning from our conservators who will be there working. Okay so the people who are involved are they volunteers or do they get paid or how does it work? Yes um, Heritage Without Borders is a volunteer organization so we look for professional volunteers and people with an interest in expanding their skill set and working in challenging conditions. Um, there's also, um, I've read about some plans you have to work with local communities to boost their um, economies and maybe alleviate um, some poverty in those areas. 
Can you kind of speak a bit more about that? Well, that is a really tricky topic because, of course, long term, we really ultimately want to be alleviating poverty and improving the life of these communities where, uh, and people involved in our work. Um, this can manifest itself in lots of different ways and it really is kind of a long-term aspiration mm. it'll be very hard to quantify that in from our first couple of projects this year but we think that improving people empowering people to uh, be able to use and give access to their collections and to their heritage will mm. in the long term have these positive outcomes okay um and just, you know, more of a question about you really and your link with UCL, you know, how did it come about that you set this up and what's your, what, what kind of input will the expertise at UCL have? Uh, it's, a, it's a long history. I studied conservation here at the Institute of Archaeology between 2003 to 2006. During okay. that, I met two really inspiring um, colleague students, and the three of us together set up Conservators Without Borders when we graduated, and we did that with a £10,000 alumni grant. Um, and with that money, we piloted our idea, which is very similar to the Heritage Without Borders idea. And so Conservators Without Borders has become Heritage Without Borders. We've broadened our scope. Okay, so you, you kind of grew it out of your yeah. studies at UCL. Exactly. Amazing. Well, good luck with the project. Thank you very um, much. <laughs> you know, we'll keep a track on it at UCL <laughs> News. Thanks very much for having me. UCL News podcast and I'm here with Sarah Hardoon who is a PhD student in the UCL Department of Primary Care and Population Health. So we brought you here today because um, you've recently been in the news um, on a new heart study. Can you kind of outline the study for us? So the good news is that we found that the risk of heart attack seems to have declined by about three quarters over the last 20 years mm. or so and um, certain risk factors like a decline in the number of smokers, um, a fall in blood pressure levels, a fall in total cholesterol levels, and rise in um, HDL cholesterols have made a substantial contribution to this fall. But the bad news is that um, aside from these favorable time trends, we've also seen an unfavorable rise in population body mass index levels. Um, so that's the average sort of weight, obesity of the patients. Um, and we estimated that this could have led to about a 10% increase in the risk of heart attacks over time. So what that means is, had the favourable changes in the other risk factors not occurred, we might have seen an increase in the number of heart attacks over time instead of the decline okay. that we saw. So is it true to say that obesity is a, is a bigger risk factor than things like cholesterol or smoking, say? Um, what, well, actually, the contribution for cholesterol, for example, was larger than the negative contribution of body mass index. So it's not true to say that it's a more important effect. And in fact, the favourable changes, like the decline in cholesterol mm. and the decline in blood pressure, outweighed the trend in the unfavourable change in body mass index. Okay. Um, and I know you're a PhD student. How far are you through your PhD? Um, almost there, actually. I'm just writing it. Okay. Moment, Is this so your final project? Uh, yes. This, okay. Yes. And is, does it reflect, does this paper reflect your PhD kind of thesis? Yes, the overall uh, aim of my thesis is to understand the reasons for the decline in the number of heart attacks in the UK and the reasons for the rise in diabetes, so the unfavorable rise in diabetes. Right. And also explore the relationship between the two because people with diabetes have a higher risk of heart disease. 
Exactly. Okay, great. Well, thanks for coming down. Thank you. That's all from UCL News this week. We've separated each of the segments into individual tracks that you can access if you don't quite feel up to listening to the whole thing. For more frequent updates about UCL News, do check our website, or if you're so inclined, you can follow us on Twitter at UCL News. Thank you for listening and tune in next time.